everybody. It is good to be together this morning. It's good to see all of your happy faces here. I'm Kent Ramsey. If I haven't met you, I'm on staff here with the church. It's, it's good to meet you. Um, I'm really excited this morning to be continuing this series with you guys that we've been calling Unfiltered. And just to kind of start things off, since a lot of you don't know me, but some of you do, I just wanted to be unfiltered with you right off of the bat and just tell you a little bit about me right now in this season of life that I'm in right now. So fun fact, me right now, I'm in between apartment leases. So I, my old lease ended and my new lease has not yet begun. And so as I prepared this sermon, I was preparing on a lot of different couches of friends and that sort of thing. And so it's been, it's been interesting, really. But my favorite part of this time was that I got to stay in this four-bedroom apartment, huge four-bedroom apartment, all by myself, just all by myself. It was awesome, but totally unfiltered. So you guys know this. During that time at night when I was in this house by myself, I was terrified. <laughs> so terrified. Anybody ever been like alone in a house by yourself and you've been scared? Okay, any guys? Any? No? Okay, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So I'm not the only one. I was terrified. If you know Copper Beach Apartments, they're not scary, right? They're new, but like the walls are just really thin in there. So I'd be sleeping in the basement there, and someone would, be go- someone would be going down the stairs in the apartment next door, and it would sound like they were coming downstairs in my apartment. So I'd be like in the basement in bed just curled up like, oh my gosh, someone is going to kill me right now. <laughs> just so terrified. But obviously I'm okay because I made it here this morning, so thank God for that. Um, and it's a perfect segue for our topic today. Um, and the topic that we're going to talk about is fear. So we're going to talk about this idea of, of fear today. And, and fear is really interesting right? Because we're all familiar with, with it. We all know it. You know, maybe you've been afraid of something like me that wasn't legitimate. But, but the reality is, today, like, there's a lot of, like, really legitimate things to be afraid of. Isn't there? Like, think about it. Like, you turn on the news for an hour. If you were to watch the news for, for an hour, you would hear about terrorism. You'd hear about racism. You'd hear about all of this stuff. You'd hear about People, people dying, you hear about these wars, you hear about just tons of stuff, and all of it is really serious. And so the natural result for many of us is fear. It's natural. Now, now I'm a little bit of a nerd. Actually, I don't know if you can tell this, but I'm a little bit of a nerd, and so I like to actually read books about this kind of stuff. And so I was reading this book called With by this author. His name is Sky Jathani. He wrote this really interesting book, and in the book, he, he suggested that people are actually caught in this thing called the cycle of fear. And I have a picture of it. It's called the cycle of fear. Um, and so he suggests that, that people are caught in this. And what the cycle of fear says is that, um, so basically underneath the fear that all of us are feeling is just the reality that we live in a dangerous world. We live in this world where there's violence, there's scarcity, there's death. And so naturally all of us feel afraid because of this. And then what happens is, from the fear that we feel, we all try to seek some form of control, right? And this isn't like, don't think like good control, you know what I mean? Don't think like self-control. This is the kind of control that says like, okay, if I can just gain enough control of the forces around me, if I can just, you know, protect my kids, if I can just control all of these different forces around me, then maybe I won't be afraid because I'll be in control of my destiny. And, And the problem with that is, is really simple. Like, we all know this. The problem with that is we just, we can't control all the forces around us. Can we? Like, no. <laughs> no. 
We just, we can't control everything. And so usually what ends up happening is we either overprotect or we ignore these dangers. All of this different stuff starts happening and it leads us right back to the beginning of the cycle. And just round and around and around we go. So hide your wife, hide your kids, <laughs> bury your money, you know, because we're just not safe. We're going to invite the band back up and I'm going to pray and we'll close there. It's just depressing, isn't it? This is where we get, but hold on, it gets worse. So there's this common belief. There's this common belief today that says literally that all religions are basically a system of control. That basically all religions are designed, and non-religions, are designed to give people a sense of control over these uncontrollable forces. And I have another picture. It's this picture that people often use. It's of a mountain. And it basically says this, that all religions, they kind of start in different places, but they sort of emerge to the same place together. That every every religion or non-religious path, it's basically the same thing, right? So just pick the one that you want, pick the one that kind of feels the best for you, and, and we'll all just be one big happy family. You know, a lot of us have probably heard that idea. There's a problem with this, though, too. The problem is that not all paths, non-religious or religious, actually do anything about the fear that we feel. You know, experts actually say that most religions lead to more fear and to more control. In in, in a weird way, I would actually agree with this on on a lot of different levels. You know, the reality is actually, it's more like this. It's a a different kind of mountain. The reality is like this, that all religions actually kind of, and non-religions, start from the same source. This idea that we live in a broken world, right? That we have this thing, this fear problem. But the more and more you get to know these these different paths, the more you realize that they're actually all very different and they lead us to really different places. And so the question then becomes, is there a path that works? Is there a path that works? You know, experts are trying to answer this. Self-help materials are selling at an all-time high. You know, everybody's just wondering, can I have some sense of control, some sense of safety or peace in in this dangerous and just broken world that, that we live in? And today, what we're going to talk about, what I want to suggest is that there is a path that, that kind of just breaks this, this cycle of control, and it's not about control at all. So there's hope for us this morning, and, and we're going to look together to the Bible, actually, to, to discover this together. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. Um, we're going to be camping out in Psalm 56, and if you don't feel like following along in your Bible, the verses are going to be on the screen behind me, so that's totally fine. Um, but while you guys are turning there, I'm just going to, just going to pray and ask God to, to speak to us through his word. So pray with me as you're turning there. Father, just thank you so much for for bringing us all here this morning. God, thanks that we're here for a reason. Thanks that you're in control. Lord, just ask that you today would meet us here, that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, pray that your word would speak louder than mine and pray that ultimately we could leave here somehow different, somehow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So Psalm 56, here we go. Before we dive in, actually, if you're turning there right now, you probably noticed this weird title. It sounds, it's like, it says, to the choir master, according to the dove on far off terebinths, a miracum of David, when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Like, what the heck does that mean, right? It sounds like it should be, like, sung, like, to the choir master, according to the dove of, like, it's just kind of, kind of weird. So I actually don't have time to explain what all that means this morning. If you have questions about it, you can ask me after service, but basically for our purposes today, we'll say this just gives us a little bit of context into what's going on in David's life. So we know here that he's been captured by the Philistines, right? And so he's in some kind of danger at this point. 
So here we go. We'll dive into the verse now. Psalm 56, verse 1, says this. David says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long. For many attack me proudly. Many attack me proudly. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. So we'll stop there. So what's going on here, right? So we see this guy, David, right? And he's in some kind of danger, you know? And and he says that many attack me proudly, which is interesting because attacking someone proudly today would look like, you know, someone sitting safely behind their computer screen, typing something on Facebook. You know how people get kind of proud when when they do that? It's super annoying. Like, that's what it looks like today. Well, back then, attacking someone proudly literally meant, like, I'm going to grab my spear and I'm going to, like, try to kill somebody. Like, attacking someone proudly back then, totally different from what it, what it is today. Um, and so um, David is in this situation where people are trying to attack him, and so naturally David was afraid. So David is afraid here, and here's the first thing I want you guys to notice. Number one, David admitted that he was afraid. Right? See that in verse 3? It says, when I'm afraid. So he admits that he was afraid. And I think this is really important for us to notice this morning. Because I think that, that, you know, when some of us approach the Bible, we actually ap- approach it like the characters and the, and the people in the Bible are like some sort of like superheroes, right? That they're somehow above or like impervious to any kind of fear or any kind of emotion. And then by extension, we think that Christians ought to be this way, don't we? We think that Christians are somehow above like feeling fear, somehow above feeling emotion. And then all these other paths in the world are kind of saying the same thing, right? They're saying, you know, don't be afraid, you know, toughen up. You know, we're going to keep making these movies that, that push the boundaries farther and farther and farther, you know, and don't say that, like, they're scary or don't say that they're weird. Like, just don't be afraid. Like, that's just weird. Guys, hear this this morning. Christians are not immune to fear. We're just not. Christians aren't, aren't immune to fear. You're still going to feel it. The question is, what will you do when you feel that fear? What will you do when you feel it? And this leads us to the next big thing that I want us to notice. So back to verse 3, he says, when I'm afraid, and then what does he do? It says, I put my trust in you. Talking about God there. So when he's afraid, he puts his trust in God. So here's point number two. David declared his trust in God. David just, he declared his trust in God. Real simple. But it's interesting because in the world that we live in, again, today, totally different totally the opposite. You know, today, you know, you're in, you're in danger, something's going wrong in your life, and everybody says, well, get your stuff together. You know, like read a self-help magazine. You know, maybe eat more health healthy. All this stuff, like there's some good stuff out there that it, that it says to do, but the problem is all of this stuff, it's just more and more. Focus on yourself. Pull your act together. Figure it out. Do more and more and more. David does the exact opposite. He says, yeah, you know, I'm not going to like be passive, but I'm going to say that, man, my trust is in someone outside of myself. It's not just up to me. Ultimately, it comes from trusting in God. Totally countercultural. But he doesn't stop there either. Moving on. The third thing I want to point out that David does is this. Number three, David approached his fear with hope. He approached his fear with hope. And here's where he does it. Verse four says this. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, 
I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Right? He says, well, if I trust in the Lord, really, if I really trust in the Lord, ultimately, like, what can flesh do to me? And I think, honestly, we, we have to be a little bit careful when we say that because really there's a lot that, that flesh can do to us, isn't there? You know, like, people can, like, say mean things. You know, people can, can injure us. People can actually, like, they can kill us. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot that, that flesh can do. So we need to be clear. Like, trusting God, again, it doesn't make us immune to these things either. Like, they're still terrible. They're still, like, scary things. But here's what it does. Trusting in God, it allows us to approach these fears and look right at them and know that there's hope beyond death. Know that there's hope beyond death. Even beyond the worst thing that there is that could happen. Guys, there's hope. Guys, this is not true of every path in our world today. It's just not. So many people are out there believing that there's just no hope beyond death, that death is just, just the end. And usually what I've seen from the, the people who believe this at their core, usually they spend the majority of their life trying to control everything from this deep feeling that they need to avoid death. So either they're trying to control everything and be a good person and live this perfect life, or they're trying to completely ignore it by living it up, you know, living every moment for the moment. And if this is you today, if you're here and, and it feels like I'm describing you, man, welcome. I'm glad that you guys are here. I don't want to make you feel bad or anything, but I do want to just say I love you enough to be honest with you. I think that this is going to wear you out because I think you're stuck in this cycle because ultimately you haven't dealt with this problem of, of fear. Guys, our, our world it desperately needs to believe that there's hope beyond death. And even, even Christians in the room, like I, I think even Christians, like this is like a truth that we only kind of believe, if we're honest. Like we only, we only believe this truth a little bit. But did you know that in the first century church, they wouldn't, eat, like when somebody died way back in the first century, they wouldn't even say so-and-so died. They would say so-and-so has fallen asleep. Maybe you've read that before in the Bible. So-and-so has fallen asleep because they believed so hardcore that people were going to wake up again right? That, that death wasn't the end. And I'm not saying that we should do that because this was a different culture, this was a different time, but I'm just, I'm just saying, like, could you imagine if we had even half of that confidence? Could you imagine how different the world would look if we believed that, that death wasn't, wasn't the end, that there was hope beyond death? I think it would diminish much of the fear that we have. It would shrink it. It wouldn't go away entirely, but it would shrink it. Guys, that's what David is doing in this, in this first section here. So I'm going to ask you to just put up that uh, fear cycle again, that slide that I had with the, with the fear cycle. Um, okay, so so far what we've watched David do is, is we've watched him um, basically address fear in his life, just the fear, right, in his life. And he's admitted that he was afraid, he's declared his trust in God, and he's approached his fear with hope. He's done all of these things. And if you don't hear anything from all of those three things, hear this. This kind of summarizes it all. The, the path that David is on diminishes fear without seeking control. The path David is on diminishes fear without seeking control. So he deals with that fear thing first, right, in a way that doesn't involve him, like, impulsively just seeking this control. And maybe you're in here right now and you're like, yeah, Kent, like, that's great. Like, he dealt with the fear. But you know what? Like, there's still danger. 
You know, like David might, may have dealt with the fact that he was afraid, but there were still people out there that were trying to kill him, weren't there? You know, and there, there's still terrible people in the world. No matter how fearless we are, like there's still bad stuff that's happening today. And that's totally true. Totally true. So let's pick it up in, in verse 5. Let's see what David does. Check it out. Verse 5 says this. All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape. In wrath, cast down these people, O God. You've kept count of my tossing. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. So this is really interesting to me because so far we've watched David, you know, kind of deal with this, this fear problem in his life. Well, here he actually shifts and he starts dealing with the danger that's feeding into the fear, right? He's actually dealing with the problems that are underneath the fear. And he does three things. And I'm going to walk us through all the three things that he does here to, to deal with the danger. I'll just go through them one by one. Um, and you can follow along with me. So the first thing that David does is he prayerfully lists the ways that he's in danger. David prayerfully lists the ways that he's in danger, which sounds kind of weird at first. Does anyone in here have a list of all the people who've wronged you in your life? Anyone? You do? Okay. All right. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So the, the thing about having lists is it can be weird. Like there's a, big, there's a big difference. It's not always weird, but it can be. Like there's a big difference between having a list of all the people who've done wrong you for a hitman there's a big difference between that, obviously, and having, and having a list and bringing a list to God. Huge difference, right? So, so David here, obviously, he's not making a hitman list. What David is doing is he's actually prayerfully bringing up all these dangers and all this pain that he's felt to God. Because, guys, here's the reality, though. Like, we've all been wronged, right? People have done bad stuff to us. Bad stuff has just happened maybe not even caused by anyone. We've all been wronged, and it sucks. The question for us this morning is, are you going to hold on to that? Are you going to hold on to that, or are you going to bring it to God? You know, we live in a world where, where many of us, like, we hold on to this anger, you know, and maybe we, maybe we don't have a list. Maybe we do have a list. It doesn't even matter. You know, what matters is, what are you doing with your list? Are you holding on to it in your heart? Even if it's not written down, it's probably in your heart. Are you holding on to that? Are you bringing that to God? Guys, we need to bring our anger. We need to bring all of our stuff to God and let him deal with it. And that's what David is doing there. He's bringing his stuff to God. And here's the second thing he does. Number two, David, he shares his honest feelings with God. That's number two. David shares his honest feelings with God. Honest feelings kind of funny. Uh, especially here, it's funny because David, when he's sharing his honest feelings with God, he's basically telling God how to do his job. Anybody in here? You do that? You're good at telling God how to do his job? Right, I, can, I can be good at that too. Um, you know, David does it. He says, will they escape? Send wrath. Cast these people down, O God. Send your wrath. Wouldn't it be crazy if God like actually did that? You know, the moment somebody cuts you off in traffic, just boom, like God sends down a lightning bolt. Wouldn't that be nuts? But he doesn't do it that way. 
And I'm really thankful that he doesn't because I would have been bolted a long time ago <laughs> and many of you would have been bolted a long time ago too, right? Because here's the reality. God knows how to do his job, but he's patient enough to allow us to be honest with him when we don't like it. He knows what he's doing, but he's patient with us. And I love that God does this. It's almost like he knows that we need to vent sometimes. You know, it's almost like God knows, man, if I just let them, you know, have some input, you know, they'll, they'll at least calm down. You know, maybe they'll at least kind of see what I'm doing, you know. And honestly, I feel like that's sort of what happens with David here. So number three, check it out. Number three, David actually decides to trust God's way over his own way. David decides to trust God's way over his own. Remember that? Check it out. Verse eight, he kind of shifts and says, you have kept count of my tossing. You have put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. So David makes this shift from telling God what to do to remembering that God keeps a detailed account of every wrong thing that's happened in the world, every broken thing about the world that we live in. God has a detailed account of that. And then it brings him to this amazing realization that God is for him, that God is for you, and that one day he's going to bring everything right again. That's true of us here today. No matter how much hurt, no matter how much pain, all this stuff that, that's happening, that one day, God is going to make everything right again. But it has to happen in his time. It's got to happen in God's time. You know, I, I kind of joke about the, you know, the lightning bolts and God, like, bolting us and, and stuff like that. Well, the reality is God is patient with us, but guess what? Like, he's patient with the rest of the world, too, you know? For those of us that are thankful that God doesn't send wrath immediately, man, let's be, thankful. let's be thankful that he does that for us and that he does that for the rest of the world too. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Guys, God is gonna, he's gonna deal with the problem of danger and, and the problem of brokenness. So, so we don't have to, right? We don't have to hold on to our lists. We don't have to, have to do all of this stuff. God is gonna deal with it eventually. You know, this week, um, it was actually like a really hard week for me and, and for my fiance, Lauren. It was just like tough because we got, I got this really hard news that her brother had been thrown in, in jail and he was thrown in jail for reasons that we know he didn't deserve. Like he was put in jail for reasons that he didn't deserve, and we heard about this. And so we hopped in a car, we drove down to Columbus to where he was at just to kind of be with him and, and visit him and let him know that, that he's not alone. And so we got there, and Lauren got to spend a little bit of time with him, and, you know, they cried together and, and talked, and, and so we left. And on the drive back, we were both together, and we're driving, and we're kind of processing through everything, and and kind of praying, and, and, you know, we just, we started to get really, like, angry, and just, like, upset, because why, like, why would this happen? You know, mostly we were angry at the person that, that, like, caused this to happen. You know, we we're just angry at this situation, like, why would this happen? And then Lauren has this idea, she's like, hey, you know what, can we, like, can we just turn on some, like, Christian music or something? 
And so we turn on Christian music, and this is always what happens. Like, you probably know this. Whenever you put on Christian music, like, the exact song that you need to hear is on. It's like, thank you, Caleb. I appreciate that. <laughs> Positive and encouraging. So we turn it on, you know, and the, the lyrics of the, the first song that we, we have on, and it's like, I will trust in God. Just over and over again, I will trust in God. I will trust in God. I'll stop singing. Um, the second song was just, God is good, God is good, God is good, over and over and over again. Just kept talking about how God is good. And in that moment, as we're listening, like something happened where our attention just got shifted off of the stuff that we were angry about and onto God. And we just remembered that, man, God is good. This situation really sucks. It really sucks. And there's still a lot that we have to figure out with it, but God is good, and ultimately, he's in control. You know, and and there's still a whole lot that we have to do to to figure this out and to, to be involved in it. But ultimately, like, this isn't going to be an end-all, be-all for us because we know that God is good and that, that he's in control. We're able to just surrender control to God a little bit in that moment. And this is what David is doing. So those are the kind of the three things that, that David uh, does in this second section here. Um, and so the second big feeling that you guys have is this. The path that David is on addresses danger without seeking control. The path David is on, it addresses danger without seeking control. So let's see how David kind of wraps up this psalm. So he's dealt with the fear, he's dealt with the, with the, with the danger. Verse 10, he starts to worship. He says, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God, or render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I will walk before God in the light of life. That I will walk before God in the light of life. Here we see David, he's praising God for all that he's done, right? He's not praising himself for taking control of his life. He's not trying to figure it all out on his own. He's lifting his hands probably. He's praising God for all that that God has done. Guys, the path that David is on, it's not about gaining control at all. It's all about surrendering control to God. It's all about surrender. I've got a second kind of picture for you guys. It's with that fear cycle. Okay, here's the fear cycle again. Um, you know, and so we've watched David. He's, he's addressed fear, right? He's addressed danger, you know, and, and, and we've watched him, him kind of do that. And we've seen him do a lot of like practical things to kind of address those things. But ultimately, at the heart of it, it's all just been about surrendering to God. It's all just been about trust. It's all been about faith. Guys, this is how we reverse the cycle. When we fear, feel fear, danger, it's not about seeking control. And I'm not saying don't be proactive. Don't hear that. I'm saying ultimately, it's not about seeking control yourself. It's about surrendering to God. Guys, this is how we reverse the cycle. Because here's the reality. Check it out. Verse 13 that I just read. He said this. He said, For you have delivered my soul from death, that I may walk before God in the light of of life. You have delivered my soul from death that I may walk before God in the light of life. Guys, you are not meant to live a life of fear. You're meant to walk before God in the light of life. And check this out. This is pretty cool. John 8, verse 12, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Guys, this is what we were made for. It's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. Even back then, everything there points to Jesus. Jesus is the light of life. Guys, the big idea today is this, that trusting in Jesus, it breaks the cycle of fear. Trust in Jesus breaks this cycle that we're all stuck in. And the question is, will we come to him? Will we come to Jesus this morning? You know, some of us have been working really hard trying to like control everything, you know, trying to figure everything out. You know, maybe you've been holding on to to fear. Maybe you've been holding on to like some anger. Maybe you're holding on to all this stuff and it's just exhausting, right? Because you're stuck in this cycle. Hear this. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus will give us rest, guys. Maybe today is the day that you'll come to this path, the path of rest. And you know, I mentioned that that the common thread throughout our, our culture today is to say that pretty much all paths lead to the same place, right? But in reality, they start from the same place and they move to a different place. Guys, this is the reality. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Guys, it's, it's, it's Jesus. Like, he's the way. Other, other options may seek control. Surrendering to Jesus rids us of this control problem. You know, maybe today would be the day when, when you decide to, to surrender it all to him. Maybe you'll choose this path. Guys, it's, it's not a path of, of fear. It's a path of, of rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me. God wants to teach us, like he'll be patient with us. Guys, this could be true of us this morning, and, and, and here's what I want to do. As we kind of come together, one of the things we love to do as a, as a church is, is to take communion. Um, and so I want to close this morning and, and take communion. Um, and if you're here today, and, and you're someone who like, wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, you're someone who would consider yourself kind of like stuck in this cycle, like maybe today would be the day when you let go of control and you surrender, surrender it all to Jesus. Guys, he says, come to me, all you who are, are burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Maybe today this could be you. We're going to have some staff in the, in the back of the room during this last set of worship. Feel free to make your way back to them. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk to you about what that could look like. But if you're in here and you're already a Christian, you know, you're still not immune to all this stuff, you know? Maybe there's still fear. Maybe there's still danger. During this time of communion, I just want to invite you to remember the huge freedom that you have in Christ. You know, remember, remember this verse, Romans 8, 31, 31, 31 and 32, excuse me. It says, God is for us. Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Guys, this can be true of us this morning. When you take the bread and you dip it in the juice, remember Jesus' death for you on the cross and his resurrection, proven that he is the way. Guys, this is true this morning. We were not meant to live lives of fear, guys. We were meant to walk in the light of life together this morning. So I'm gonna pray for us. Um, I'm gonna ask the band to come up and we're gonna close with a couple songs of worship. So let me pray.